Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us on this episode of Dr. Justice MD. Today, we're going to talk about the opioid epidemic and its effect on our country. Let's get to the podcast. Yo, cuz, I'm going to tell you who to blame. It's them dope dealers standing on the corner killing our people. So, to give you a little bit more detail, what exactly are opioids? According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, opioids are a class of drugs used to reduce pain. Opioids came from China, from little small poppy plants, and they're pretty much used to help people feel better. They bind onto three opioid receptors to ease pain and give people an all-time high. So, as you can tell, pain is not the only thing people have been using opioids for. They've been using it to make themselves feel a little bit better. So I'm going to send it on over to Alicia, where she's going to have a little segment called Court Chats and talk about some of the politics that's going on with the opioid epidemic. Hello, everyone. My name is Alicia, and I'm going to be leading the segment of Court Chats. So first off, we want to discuss a case that's currently pending in civil court right now, where the U.S. attorney... General Jeff Sessions is suing big companies who distribute opioids for making it basically for making it too easy for people to get them. According to a Vox article, the DEA claims that 80% of the opioid abuse starts with prescriptions, which is why Attorney General Jeff Sessions says that the main plan of attack against the opioid epidemic is to limit the amount of prescriptions that doctors can rightfully distribute. According to a New York Times article, the Justice Department has expressed its determination to work towards ending the opioid crisis by using both civil and criminal penalties. So criminal penalties obviously would include um, harsher punishments against people who are convicted of using and distributing opioids. Civil penalties would include a pending lawsuit of which the U.S. is not a plaintiff, where over 400 cities, counties, and Native American tribes are suing companies such as Johnson & Johnson, CVS, and Purdue Pharma for undermining the addictiveness of these drugs as well as failing to report suspicious orders. This is a pretty historical uh, lawsuit against these companies because it's literally civilians and city leaders standing up against big uh, pharmacy companies and trying to limit the amount of opioid use in their communities. Thank you, Alicia. So I had a question. When it comes to the opioid epidemic, you know, between Jeff Sessions and um, the current administration ruling the opioid epidemic as a public health issue and as an epidemic, uh, what do you think, you know, in terms of both sides, the politics side and I guess the medicine side, you know, these doctors are prescribing a lot of these um, pain medications, OxyContin, Um, hydrocodone, you know, what do you think is the issue or who do you think we should be pointing fingers at in this situation? That's a great question. And, you know, actually um, in the Vox article, Jeff Sessions is addressing a certain solution that has been suggested in the past. Somebody, um, people have suggested that maybe marijuana could be used to replace opioids uh, to treat pain because most doctors prescribe opioids for pain treatment. However, Jeff Sessions believes that it is the doctor's ability to prescribe these medications that needs to be limited, not to substitute opioids with marijuana. Um, As people may know or may not know, Sessions is a big advocate against legalizing marijuana. And, you know, people have suggested that as a replacement, but he believes that the Justice Department should be focusing instead on 
making it so that doctors do are not allowed to prescribe as many of these prescriptions. And I just sometimes wonder, you know, what would be an alternative to prescribing these medications if he doesn't want to legalize marijuana without getting into the politics of it? That is really the only suggestion for a replacement that I know of thus far. I don't know if you know of any others, but... Yeah, so I like how you brought up um, alternatives because some people think that prescribing medications in general should be plan B. And for example, with depression, with pain, there should be a lot of, you know, rehab, uh, therapeutic measures, using your hands, not always prescribing medications uh, for those issues. So I think that is one big issue, but a contradictory problem to that is rehab doesn't work for a lot of people. What would people be doing instead? And instead of that, that's why the opioid epidemic, I would say, is a really big issue and has grown so much. Well, and we've kind of seen a recent pattern in the way that this issue is being attacked. The opioid crisis is being attacked from a more health-focused lens. However, in the past, most drug addictions or drug problems in the United States have been attacked criminally, meaning they're being criminalized. Um, The U.S. is trying to stop the distributors of these drugs and stop the users. But now it seems like we're focusing more on the user and less on the distributors or equally as much for both. It's being treated as more of a public health crisis instead of being treated as a criminal matter. Right. I agree. Um, I personally think this is an issue of extended research. I don't think we can point a finger on who is to blame for the opioid crisis epidemic. Um, In my opinion, you can't blame a drug addict for being a drug addict. No one wakes up one day and says, hey, I want to be addicted to heroin, you know. But just a backstory, I'm going to give you a little bit of my experience working in the pharmacy. I am a pharmacy technician. So uh, a a large part of the opioid epidemic is doctors prescribing a lot of these opioids to their patients who are in pain and pharmacists dispensing those opioids pretty much. And so as a pharmacy technician, I know with the specific pharmacy that I work at, And some of the pharmacists that I've worked with, a lot of them will not dispense quantities over, you know, a certain limit, depending on who it is. If there is a high quantity of opioids that they were prescribed, what patient was prescribed, they would double check with the doctor, make sure it's not a fraudulent prescription. And in the pharmacy, even the power of a farm tech, If we have reason to believe that someone is not using their medication as prescribed, we legally have the right to refuse that sale. So I think that, you know, everyone from the doctor down below to the pharmacist, to farm tech, to family members of these people taking these painkillers, I think everyone just needs to open their eyes a little bit more and make sure that the people that are around them, the people that are around these opioids are taking them carefully and as prescribed. That's a really good point. And I think that that's really what this lawsuit kind of encapsulates. And I also think it's interesting how they're pointing the finger at these pharmacy companies and these pharmaceutical companies and distributors because they're basically accusing them of downplaying the addictiveness of these drugs, which, I mean, in that case, could we even blame the doctors at that point? Because maybe they genuinely just did not know enough about these drugs. And also, people need to remember that there's a huge stake in this um, issue for pharmaceutical companies. They make a lot of money off of opioid distributions and 
perhaps that financial gain that they get from these drugs could maybe be limited instead of limiting doctors' ability to treat people's pain. Okay, so according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, um, from March 2018, about 115 people in the United States die because of overdose on opioids every single day. And so that includes prescribed painkillers and heroin, as well as fentanyl. And fentanyl is a synthetic opioid it has been used a lot in the streets so when people or when people's doctors can no longer or will no longer prescribe them these medications and they have already become addicted to these medications they try and find alternative sources to get these medications and fentanyl is (laughs) it's it's a great source for that um just because it's so potent um a little bit amount of fentanyl can have a great effect and a lot of times drugs in the streets no matter what drug it is are laced with fentanyl and that is why a lot of overdoses occur in the first place i also wanted to bring it back to just the issue of overdosing um every individual is different and i don't think anybody knows at what particular limit they will overdose on medications People will take a lot of medications and, you know, overdose on a medication and still live to the next day. So it really all depends on the specific individual um, that depends on their limits of medications. So when it comes to some of the measures of attacking and decreasing the opioid epidemic. A lot of companies and organizations have you know, put you propose their own different ideas. One thing I believe is a great effect is using a lot of surveillance to identify very high risk regions or neighborhoods of opioid use. I know the highest um, population of opioid drug users is in the Midwest. So around, I believe West Virginia is the state with the highest opioid um, issue. Um, so I think just targeting those neighborhoods, figuring out how many people there are and how they're getting their hands on these opioids, why they're getting their hands on these op- opioids, and what to do. So health departments are working with limited time and money to make the largest impact. So I think that's something that everyone should keep in mind. When it comes to funding, a lot of things are more reactive than proactive. So we have to see an issue first before we'll put a lot of money and time and effort into solving a problem. So also just looking at some of the demographics, the geographic factors, and using all that information to help prevent future opioid deaths and overdoses. Um, There are also some public health measures that can be implemented at any step of the process. So whether you have not yet become addicted to a specific drug or whether you're a family member or whether you are trying to stop or whether you don't even know if you've been addicted and you're just continuously using unconsciously. So having better pain management practices or better research, better 
outreach and preventive measures in high in these high risk areas, having better data to just target those high risk areas and helping to solve other problems linked with the issue of substance abuse, such as depression, bipolar disorder, all these issues that can be the cause of substance abuse, just kind of targeting those issues first and finding the root of the problem. Uh, Other issues such as poverty or lack of education that people may become, you know, the life of using drugs and trading drugs may just be a little bit more appealing to people that are not in school or are not working, for example. Absolutely. And also just controlling the prescribing of those drugs and the dispensing of those drugs and, and having more education on how to handle individuals who have overdosed. So one thing I want to talk about is Narcan. Uh, we are students at the University of Texas at Austin and an initiative known as Operation Naloxone combined through the efforts of the College of Pharmacy and the School of Social Work has been put in place to pretty much and those who have overdosed. Operation Naloxone's mission is to provide overdose prevention and response education to students, health professionals, and the public to combat the opioid crisis using harm reduction strategies. Definitely, I know the specific pharmacy that I work at sells Narcan, which is a brand name. And so just if you know anyone that is has an issue with drug addiction or you yourself, Narcan can be bought without a prescription. So just keeping it handy. A lot of people may think that just having something such as Narcan is encouraging drug use behavior. Um, However, I don't think that's true. I mean, people are going to use drugs regardless. A lot, everyone knows for the most part that drugs are not good generally for their body. And in 2018, people are still using drugs. So how about try and find a way to just keep people alive and then while also simultaneously working on how to prevent people from starting using drugs in the first place. Before we close out, I just wanted to offer a very helpful resource to those out there who may themselves be suffering from mental health issues or substance abuse and or may know somebody who is suffering from these issues to call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline, which is 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-HELP. Thank you all for listening to this discussion about the opioid epidemic. Part 2 is coming soon. We would love to hear all comments, opinions, concerns. Please let us know by emailing us or visiting our website. All information will be in the show notes. Suggestions for articles or documentaries we found interesting on this topic will also be posted in the show notes. Please tune in every two weeks for another episode of Dr. Justice MD. Yeah, that's my heart. Difficult to gain employment even if-